Hi. Welcome back to your Energy Self podcast. This is episode three, part two of The Foundation. You may have heard of Plato's Cave. It's such a great analogy when it comes to who most human beings believe themselves to be. The allegory of the cave, or Plato's Cave, was presented by the Greek philosopher Plato in his work Republic, 514 AD to 520 AD. Plato has Socrates describe a group of people who have lived chained to the wall of a cave all of their lives, facing a blank wall. The people watch shadows projected on the wall from objects passing in front of a fire behind them and give names to these shadows. The shadows are the prisoner's reality. Socrates explains how the philosopher, or people who expand their awareness through spiritual and metaphysical knowledge, is like a prisoner who is freed from the cave and comes to understand that the shadows on the wall are not reality at all, for he can perceive the true form of reality rather than the manufactured reality that is the shadows seen by the prisoners. The inmates of this place do not even desire to leave their prison, for they know no better life. The prisoners manage to break their bonds one day and discover that their reality was not what they thought it was. They discovered the sun which Plato uses as an, as an analogy for the fire that man cannot see behind. Like the fire that casts light on the walls of the cave, the human condition is forever bound to the impressions that are received through the senses. Even if these interpretations are an absurd misrepresentation of reality, we cannot somehow break free from the bonds of our human condition. We cannot free ourselves from this phenomenal state just as the prisoners could not free themselves from their chains. If, however, we were to miraculously escape our bondage, we would find a world that we could not understand. The sun is incomprehensible for someone who has never seen it. In other words, we would encounter another realm, a place incomprehensible because, theoretically, it is a source of a higher reality than the one we have always known. It is a realm of pure form, pure fact. We think that the physical world, the shadows, is all there is because that's all we've been taught to believe in. It's time to free yourself from the chains of bondage. Most people are like an elephant who is chained to a tiny chain, to a tiny stake which it could easily break free of because the elephant is so powerful. But it doesn't because of conditioning. It has been conditioned in a way that it doesn't realise its own power. Imagine if someone broke the chains of the elephant, which is like gaining knowledge, and led the elephant to a totally different environment to roam free. So this is what you are not. And this might be hard for some people to hear. You are not your body. You are not the colour of your skin. You are not your name. You are not your family. You are not your culture. You are not your country. You are not your work or profession. You are not how much money you have or the possessions you own or the lack thereof. You are not even your dreams and desires because a true you only has a desire to give, to have experiences in the physical and to grow and expand from those experiences and to be of service. And you are born into this world with all your unique gifts and talents you need to be able to do that in your own unique way. It's okay to be proud of these things as long as it doesn't lead to division, separation, fighting and war. Because you are not any of these labels or any other labels that you describe yourself to be. Or other people describe yourself to be. These are all just temporary experiences that the real you, the true I, is having at the moment. The people who run this world want you to believe that you are all these labels and that's all you are. Because if you believe that, it causes division, separation, judgment, demonization, arguing and fighting and even war. It keeps you focused on the physical and keeps you from knowing the truth of who you are 
and therefore the power that you have to control your own destiny. The whole system is set up this way, which then makes it easy to keep the power and control under the powers that be. These truly are only labels. When the form that holds the true you and the form the true you is holding into place disappears, so will all these labels. The only truth that stays with you after this life experience are the experiences themselves. All those things you describe yourself to be in this life will no longer exist in this world. The only thing left in the physical are the experiences of you shared through other people and the experiences you take with you. You are the eternal, universal mind of creation having a temporary physical experience. This isn't just philosophy or belief. Quantum physics is proving what philosophers and ancient cultures have been teaching for thousands of years, way before mainstream religion and mainstream science, to be true. So why then are we all taught to believe that none of this is true? That there is no energy field which permeates the universe, let alone a conscious energy that all things are created from, and that everything is solid and everything is separate? Well, basically it's because we are taught, and are still being taught, 150 to 200 year old science. Even though there is new science that says that this old school science and old ways of looking at the universe and ourselves is far from the whole truth. There's so much more to us and the universe than we've been taught. I first read about an experiment in a book by Greg Braden called The Divine Matrix. The experiment was called the Michelson-Morley experiment. In 1887, Albert Michelson and Edward Morley thought of an experiment which they thought would prove one way or another if this energy field exists or not because even back then people argued over this idea that we live in an ocean of energy. They figured that if the ether as they call it exists then as the earth makes its passage around the sun through this energy it should cause some sort of movement or ripple in the ether and could be measured which they call the ether wind. The idea of the experiment is a bit like a plane flying with the air current. It will get to its destination a lot faster flying with the airflow than if it flies against it. They figured that if they could shoot two light rays in two different directions at the same time towards two targets, one with the direction of the ether wind and the other against it, and if they could measure a difference in the time it took for each light ray to get to its destination, it would mean that they had detected the ether wind and therefore the ether. Because if there was nothing there, both light rays would hit their targets at exactly the same time, and no difference in time would mean that there's nothing there. So they completed their experiment, but their equipment didn't detect a difference in the time it took for both light rays to hit their targets. So they assume from that that there is no ether or energy field that permeates the universe and that we don't live in an ocean of energy. This experiment had huge consequences for the future. Because of this experiment and similar experiments back in the day, we were taught that there is no energy field throughout the universe, that everything is separate and solid, and to this day most people still believe that and are taught that even though there is new science that shows this conclusion is wrong. Just because Michelson and Morley didn't detect the ether with the equipment they had at the time doesn't mean it wasn't there. Nearly 100 years later, in 1986, a scientist by the name of E.W. Silvertooth with more advanced and more sensitive equipment, performed the same experiment, which was funded by the United States Air Force, and his experiment was successful. He performed the experiment in exactly the same way Michelson and Morley said the ether could be detected nearly a hundred years earlier. So it isn't just philosophy. Science has shown that we live in an energy field that permeates the entire universe. We live within an ocean of energy. Quantum physicists call it the quantum field. You might be thinking, well, 
scientists found an energy field. How does that affect me in my life? Well, mathematicians and philosophers like Rene Descartes and scientists like Sir Isaac Newton and others back in the 17th and 18th centuries and even earlier also thought that everything you see in the universe was solid and separate and that the only energy was matter forcing matter. In other words, things like the energy we might exert to move another object or the energy we might exert to pedal a push bike, outside cause and effect type of energy, which is the Newtonian view of physics. They believed that the universe was like a big machine. This is a view that the universe is controlled by predictable laws, the mechanistic view of the universe, and that matter and mind, or energy, were two totally separate things. According to them, one had absolutely no effect on the other whatsoever. But new science is showing that that old school science of cause and effect is far from the whole story. It's showing that mind, or energy, actually does have an effect on matter. The new science is showing that we are the cause of an effect. The truth of the matter is without mind or consciousness, there is no matter. Here's a quote from William A. Tiller, PhD. For the last 400 years, an unstated assumption of science is that human intention cannot affect what we call physical reality. Our experimental research of the past decade shows that, under the right conditions, this assumption is no longer correct. We humans are so much more than we think we are and psychoenergetic science continues to expand the truth of it. William A. Tiller is a Professor Emeritus of Material Science and Engineering at Stanford University. A Professor Emeritus means a university professor who is retired but allowed to retain their title as an honour. This is where we start to get a bit more personal. We start to see now scientifically how we, along with everything in the universe, is energy. Ernest Rutherford was a New Zealand-born physicist who became known as the father of nuclear physics and won the Nobel Prize in Chemistry in 1908. So back in 1911, he discovered that atoms, which are the building blocks of the universe and everything in it, including all of us, everything is built from atoms, are mostly empty space. We now know that there's no such thing as empty space. Everything is energy, even the spaces in between everything. In fact, physicists now tell us that the atoms are 99.9999 and even more nines percent energy and 0.001% matter, and that's a science fact. If we just take the human body alone, the human body has 11 different systems, which include the circulatory system, the nervous system, the digestive system, the respiratory system, etc. What are these systems made of? Organs and tissue. What are organs and tissues made of? cells. What are cells made of? Molecules. What are molecules made of? Atoms. What are atoms made of? Subatomic particles. What are subatomic particles made of? Energy. If you want to know what things are made of and how they work, you break them down to their smallest part. The universe and everything in it is made of energy, not just the human body because everything is made of atoms. Just to put the atom in perspective, the things that the universe and everything in it is built from, scientists tell us that if the nucleus of an atom, which is a so-called solid centre of the atom, were the size of a peanut, the whole size of the atom would be the size of a baseball stadium. Think about that for a minute. Think about the size of a peanut compared to the size of a baseball stadium. It's insignificant. That's how much empty space or energy is in an atom and we along with everything else in the universe, are made of these atoms. 
That means, and I know it's hard to accept at first because everything looks solid, but it's actually not. It means that everything we see, including all of us, is nearly 100% energy. But here's the thing. This energy that all things are made of, this substance or medium that all things are created from, is not just a dormant, energetic substance. There is an intelligence and an awareness within this energy. The universal mind of creation, universal intelligence, the mind of God. The universe and everything in it, which includes all of our dreams and desires, resides within the universal mind of creation. Even though we can't see certain things in our environment, they all exist right now within this ocean of consciousness. There are scientists who believe that there is actually no such thing as solid matter. They believe that everything is 100% energy. Even the 0.001% of the supposed solid part of the atom because they say that the nucleus of an atom is just energy vibrating at a lower rate. The lower the vibrational rate of energy, the more solid it becomes, so we can perceive it and touch it. Here's something that's really going to blow your mind. Scientists tell us that if we lost all the empty space or energy inside our atoms, what would be left of each of us would be able to fit into a particle of dust, and the entire human race which is about 7.67 billion people, would fit into something the size of a sugar cube. Holy crap, a sugar cube. The entire human race. The only way I could think of that as an analogy is if you filled a big room full of blown up balloons and then popped all the balloons, what would be left would be a fraction of what was there. Here's a quote from someone who was a very well-known and respected physicist, Max Planck, who won the Nobel Prize in Physics in 1918. He has also been called the father of quantum physics. As a man who has devoted his whole life to the most clear-headed science, to the study of matter, I can tell you as a result of my research about the atoms this much. There is no matter as such. All matter originates and exists only by virtue of a force which brings the particles of an atom to vibration and holds this most minute solar system of the atom together. We must assume behind this force there is the existence of a conscious and intelligent mind. This mind is the matrix of all matter. Max Planck, 23rd of April 1858 to 4th of October 1947. And this... The atoms or elementary particles themselves are not real. They form a world of potentialities or possibilities rather than one of things and facts. Warner Heisenberg, 5th of January 1901 to the 1st of February 1976. German physicist and winner of the Nobel Prize in Physics 1932. The reason I mention when these scientists were born and died is because look how long this knowledge has been known. This would go a long way to explain the truth of things, but hardly anyone knows this. Now, here's the interesting part. Albert Einstein said, Energy cannot be created or destroyed, it can only be changed from one form to another. So, if everything in the universe is energy including us, and energy can't be created or destroyed, then first of all it means that all the energy that exists in the universe and all the energy that will ever exist has been here since before the universe began. It must have been, because everything is built from atoms, and atoms are built from energy. So there must have been energy before form, an intelligent energy. And if energy can't be created, and can only be transformed, 
then that means that everything in the universe is an extension of this one energy source, expressing itself in a myriad of different physical forms. It has to be if everything is energy. That also means that everything is connected to everything else because it is all an extension of the one energy. How many times have you heard spiritual teachers say we're all connected, we're all one, there is no separation, this is why. And the other logical conclusion from this is that we never die. All our thoughts, all our feelings and emotions, all the experiences we have in life, all the wisdom we gain from life challenges, all our memories, it all makes up who we are. It's all part of our consciousness and it's all energy. And energy can't be destroyed. It can only be transformed. So we are eternal, energetic beings. I remember reading a quote from Pierre Teilhard de Chardin, who was a French Jesuit priest, scientist, theologian, philosopher and teacher, who said, We are not human beings having a spiritual experience. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. Are you starting to understand now the truth of who you are? We truly are the creator of all things, experiencing and expressing physical life in a human body for a truly short amount of time, the blink of an eye compared to eternity. All of this also means that this energy that all things are created from, and that everything is an extension of, must have an intelligence and an awareness within it. For there to be creation, there must be intelligence behind that creation. You might be thinking, but what about all the mainstream scientists that say life just began, that life just sprung up out of the cosmic soup of the universe by some form of astronomical good fortune and luck? Here's a few quotes by some well-known and well-respected scientists that answers that question. Dr. Wilder Smith is an honoured scientist. I am convinced that pure chemistry of a cell is not enough to explain the workings of a cell, although the workings are chemical. The chemical workings of the cell are controlled by information which does not reside in the atoms and molecules of that cell. There is an author which transcends the material and the matter of which these strands are made. The author first of all conceived the information necessary to make a cell, then wrote it down and then fixed it in a mechanism of reading it and realising it in practice so that the cell builds itself from the information. So this quote is saying that physical life is created from outside information. Two well-known scientists, Sir Fred Hoyle and N. Chandra Wickrama Singh, calculated the odds of life forming by natural processes. They estimated that there is less than one chance in 10 to the 40,000th power that life could have originated by random trials. 10 to the 40,000th power is a 1 with 40,000 zeros after it. To put those odds into perspective, I've read that for a scientist to say that something is pretty much impossible, the odds must be one chance in 10 to the 110th power. So that's one with 110 zeros after it. We're talking about one with 40,000 zeros after it. I would say that it's safe to assume that life didn't start from chance from the cosmic soup of the universe. And this also from famed researcher Sir Fred Hoyle, who agrees with creationists on this point. He has reportedly said that supposing the first cell originated by chance is like believing a tornado sweeping through a junkyard might assemble a Boeing 747 from the materials therein. As we said before, for there to be creation, there must be an intelligence behind the creations, and there have also been experiments that show this. 
Dr. Cleve Baxter was a CIA interrogation specialist and an expert in the polygraph machine, also known as a lie detector. He was working back late one night on the 2nd of February 1966, and while enjoying a coffee on his break, he was staring at a plant that his secretary had bought him as a gift. While focused on the plant, he started to wonder what would happen if he hooked the polygraph machine up to the plant, which is exactly what he'd done. To his surprise, there was an alive electrical signal on the machine. He decided to take it a bit further to see if he could get a reaction from the plant. First he dipped the leaf of the plant in his coffee, but there was no reaction. Then he thought about putting a flame to the plant, and an amazing thing happened. As soon as he had that thought, without actually doing anything, the machine went crazy. It was as though the plant could read his mind. Next he picked up a box of matches with the intention of burning the plant. Once again the polygraph machine went crazy. Only when he put the matches away and took the intention out of his mind did the machine settle down again and go back to normal. Amazingly, the more he cared for the plant, the stronger the connection seemed to be. Mr Baxter would go out during the day to run errands and do a few things and he would notice that the moment he would decide to come back after he had run his errands, there would be a spike on the graph. This led to years of research for Cleve Baxter. In fact, I think he'd done around 30 years of research and he wrote a book called Primary Perception. He also performed an experiment with chicken eggs. He got a bunch of eggs and he hooked one of them up to the machine, then he dropped the rest of the eggs in boiling water. When he'd done that, once again the polygraph machine reacted wildly. It was as though the egg hooked up to the machine could feel the other egg's pain. He even done experiments with yogurt cultures and got the same results. So Cleve Baxter concluded that there must be an intelligence and an awareness that's all around us and runs through all things that connects everything to everything else. And don't forget, this guy was a CIA interrogation specialist, so I don't think he was prone to flights of fancy. In another experiment, two scientists set up an isolated room with a bunch of plants in it. They put sensors on all the plants except one. One of the scientists proceeded to destroy that plant. He tore it apart. Amazingly, the sensors hooked up to the other plants reacted wildly when he'd done that. The two scientists left the room and after a while the sensors went back to normal. The scientists that did not destroy the plant walked back into the room and there was no reaction. He walked out and the scientist who destroyed the plant walked back into the room and even more amazing than before, the sensors once again went crazy. It's as though the plants recognised him and what he had done. Everything is connected. These results that scientific experiments and research is showing, and there's a lot more out there, is what philosophers, spiritual teachers and ancient cultures have been teaching for thousands of years to be the truth of things. That we live in an ocean of energy, that there is an intelligence and an awareness or a consciousness that permeates this energy and therefore the universe, and that we are all connected because all of creation is created from this one energy an omnipresent energy that has been here since before the universe began. Science and spirituality are coming together to show us the truth of the universe and the truth of who we really are. Albert Einstein said, Everyone who is seriously involved in the pursuit of science becomes convinced that a spirit is manifest in the laws of the universe, a spirit vastly superior to that of man, and one in the face of which we, with our modest powers, must feel humble. And this also from Albert Einstein. 
The more I study science, the more I believe in God. Thank you for joining me again. Next week we're going to put a different spin, an interpretation, or shine a different light on some old teachings. I hope you can join me then. Thank you.